podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Just a quick note before the podcast gets started. Uh, there were some technical difficulties with this episode. Uh, unfortunately, that's what happens when you have to record the podcast uh, from your phone that is out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. So uh, I appreciate you guys bearing with me. There are a few spots here where my audio does cut out, but uh, still wanted to bring this episode to you because I thought there was a lot of useful information. Um, also, in the in the exit there, you know, so, some of the content information does cut out. So I just wanted to remind you guys right up here up front that if you do want to contact us here at the podcast with questions or anything like that, you can do that by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com, or you can talk to me on Twitter at andymitch12. And with that, we'll get you to the podcast. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Tonight we are doing a what's probably going to be a quick preview of this game coming up for the Jayhawks. It's against the Oklahoma Sooners. I don't know that it's going to be very competitive, but I did at least want to kind of check in and get the scoop on this Oklahoma team. Uh, to, to help me do that today, I have uh, Alan Kenny. He writes for the Crimson and Cream Machine and F on Sports. Uh, or Alan, how are you doing tonight? Oh, man, I can't complain. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. So, uh, you know, after the after the game against Iowa State where we all thought that Kansas was going to get creamed and it didn't happen until the very end, I'm actually feeling pretty good. So I'm hoping that Kansas has a little bit of magic to at least show something for, you know, maybe a half before Oklahoma wins by 60. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so to, to kind of help figure out what's going to happen in this game or what the Kansas fans can expect to see in this game, um, you know, I, Oklahoma did not start, obviously, nearly as well as they normally do. Um, and there's, there's been some questions about what the reasoning for that is. You know, they, they lost two games, um, you know, early in the Big 12 schedule. Actually, their, their first two games against Kansas State and Iowa State. They just put them in a little bit of a hole in terms of trying to get back to the Big 12 Conference Championship game. But what, what do you think has been the issue there that caused them to get started, you know, so, so poorly to start the year? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'd love to tell you it's one thing, you know, X or X or Y or Z, um, but it's, I think it was just a, a, you know, kind of a combination of things. I mean, for starters, you know, everybody's dealing it, but with it, but I mean, COVID nineteen is just make made things weird, right? I mean, you know, so you had guys who who were in and out of practice. I mean, you know, there was one guy uh, who, you know, there, there's a rumor going out there that he was basically out of, uh, you know, preseason practice for a full month just based on contact tracing and close contacts, even though he never really came up positive, you know? Um, I think that just there was, you know, they were out of sorts there and they also had a hard time kind of getting their running game going, which made it harder for them to, uh, you know, kind of manage drives and, uh, you know, made it easier to let teams back in the game. And then lastly, uh, they had some special teams gaffes that I thought uh, were kind of uh, underplayed in terms of their in terms of their importance to the outcomes in those two games. I mean, you know, against uh, Kansas State, they had a punt blocked uh, that was basically just, I, I believe, a miscommunication on the protection uh, that put Kansas State uh, uh, in field position to uh, you know score score a late touchdown. They gave up in the fourth quarter a late uh, long kick return to. Uh, Iowa State that gave the Cyclones the ball, I think, you know, inside OU's 10, uh, needing a, a score to tie it. So I, it's just, it was just kind of, uh, you know, a, a few different 
a few different little things and uh you know they've kind of started to uh put it all together the last few weeks yeah i mean i i definitely kind of see the the covid connection there and you know getting us full parts of that in the different areas but it seems to me that their rapid improvement seems to be coinciding pretty pretty uh I guess suspiciously, I mean, I'm trying to think of a better way to put it, but with, with Chris Murray getting his eligibility, um, his his appeal granted so that he was immediately eligible for, for Oklahoma for sure. Um, you know, it seems like the offensive line was having some issues prior to that. I mean, did, did, did he make the biggest jump on that offensive line, or was it really the offensive line as a whole kind of gelling together? Yeah, you know, Murray has been, uh, you know, a nice kind of addition for depth-wise uh, there. You know, I know that uh, he's one guy who they're kind of looking at uh, to solidify things there on the interior. But, uh, you know, I think that maybe there's some chemistry issues. Maybe. I mean, I know that that was one position, I think, where they had some COVID issues before the season. A lot of people just, uh, you know, kind of speculated that maybe they were a little out of shape. Um, so they kind of had a harder time kind of gelling later in the year. Uh, but you know, there's been, uh, I think there's been more competition, uh, up there and, uh, you know, they've gotten a few spots, uh, one, one, uh, in particular left tackle, uh, Anton Harrison is a true freshman who is, uh, you know, a guy that I don't think anybody before the season started would have been said or you know uh for pardon me before preseason practice started would have said he's a guy that's going to make a lot of waves but uh he's been a huge pickup for them that they're at left tackle which is obviously a really important position um so you know i think it's it's just kind of been a matter of uh building building the chemistry kind of getting everybody back together and getting in game shape personally yeah, I mean, it seems it seems fairly coincidental to me that they took a huge leap at that point. But I, you know, I could definitely also kind of buy that there's other areas where they're where they're definitely getting better there. But you know, I also do think that in some cases, you know, kind of just around the entire offense. And and to me, I think the biggest jump forward has been the offense, not necessarily the defense. Um, you know, the defense has gotten better, but I think that might be primarily due to the schedule <laughs> in terms yeah. of they're actually playing <laughs> yeah. and what yeah. offenses have kind of been there. So. Um, you know, I guess, I guess, I guess that really would be my next question because I think the offense is rounding into form, um, but that defense—the fact that they've really kind of been able to to benefit from playing, you know, teams like TCU, uh, who do not have a very good offense at all, um, and you know, Texas Tech decent offense, but I do think that their defense kind of matches up pretty well with what Columbia was trying to do. The question, though, um, you know, how, how concerned are you as they continue to kind of go through? the rest of the conference schedule that maybe they're going to run into an offense that might be a little bit better equipped to kind of, um, I guess, match up with the way that this defense is set up? Or do you think that they've really faced all of the, the troublesome offenses they might have the rest of the year before the Big 12 title game if they make it? Well, you know, it's the Big 12, so, you know, you're never kind of out of the woods in terms of troublesome offenses out there on the schedule. Uh, you know, I think that based, though, on, you know, the last gosh decade of OU football, uh, you know, this defense is really kind of rounding into shape, uh, actually pretty well. Now I, I do think you're right in the sense that they're facing, uh, some offenses that are probably a notch, uh, below, you know, a team like, uh, Iowa state in the past few, uh, past few games. But, uh, there are a couple, you know, real encouraging signs there. You know, I think that a lot of them start really up front. 
their defensive line has really taken off. Um, they brought a, a Juco transfer in by the name of Perion Winfrey, who is uh, their nose tackle. And uh, he's turned out to be a big-time disruptor. They've gotten uh, good play from Isaiah Thomas, who was a guy who was maybe, you know, kind of seen as just a reserve. Now he's kind of jockeying for a potential uh, draft spot. He's, he plays the five-tech defensive end. Um, a big, big addition uh, came last week when they got Ronnie Perkins back also at defensive end. Uh, he's probably, you know, top to bottom, their best player on the entire defense. Um, you know, he wasn't there for the first five games of the season, and uh, he came back with a vengeance last week against Texas Tech. So that's really big. I think that they've also answered a few questions at, at some spots. You know, uh, the middle linebacker position, they've gotten uh, really good play out of David Aguebu so far, who was, uh, you know, a, more of a rush, uh, designated rusher last year. They moved him to the interior. He's made the jump pretty well. And uh, they're getting really good play from Woody Washington at cornerback. He was a safety last year, you know, redshirted um, and really didn't play very much outside of, uh, you know, when Oklahoma was getting uh, just waxed by uh, LSU there in the Peach Bowl. Uh, he's moved over to corner, and I think he has arguably been their most consistent defensive back this season. So a lot of signs of improvement uh, so far this year. Yeah. It's a little concerning for Oklahoma to take such a step forward um, in season like this. Um, you know, so which which kind of leads me to my next question. You know, Oklahoma seems to be theoretically or potentially in the driver's seat um, for an opportunity to be able to qualify for the Big 12 championship. See if they, you know, if they lose to, or I'm sorry, if they beat Oklahoma State, um, and Iowa State is able or loses one more time. Like, they could be a three-way tie that could keep them out. But technically, if they win out, there's a probably like a, you know, 80 or better percent chance that they're going to make it to the Big 12 title game. Is that kind of the expectation for Oklahoma even after the two early losses? Uh, like, is, is, is the fan base expecting them to go back, and do you think that they're going to make it back to the Big 12 title game, or do they still have a decent road to climb just with those two early losses kind of setting them up with tiebreaker situations? Yeah, I mean, it's Oklahoma, so, uh, you know, the sky was falling when uh, they lost those two games early on. Uh, you know, I I didn't really look at it that way uh, personally, just because I mean I kind of saw a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff and a lot of just kind of uh, you know sloppy mistakes that they made in those first two games. I think that in the end of the year they'll be kicking themselves if they uh, you know either of those first two losses uh, shouldn't they they should have uh, pulled out, but. Um, you know, now uh, they're in a really good spot. You know, I think that one thing we're seeing is that, uh, you know, Kansas State is a solid team, but uh, things are going to be harder for them, I think, down the stretch. They've got a, a tough game with Oklahoma State, so, you know, they'll potentially get knocked out of uh, out of uh, contention. Um, you know, if Oklahoma can uh, get the job done against uh, in Bedlam here in a couple weeks, that will put them in a good spot vis-a-vis uh, Oklahoma State, and then you know I think that uh, I think that they'd love a chance to to uh, rematch against uh, Iowa State this year in the uh, Big Twelve Championship game if if all goes according to plan. You know, uh, I mean, Texas is clearly making a bid too, so we'll see how that how it all shakes out. 
Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to kind of see. I personally have been of the opinion, and everyone who listens to the podcast knows, um, I'm not buying Texas here. I think that they're going to fall off here pretty quickly. Um, it would be interesting if a you know three-way tie kind of sets up and Kansas State ends up being the team that they all compare records to. Um, be disastrous, obviously, for Oklahoma's op- or chances there. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I do think betting – well, I, I know betting favorite-wise – you know, Oklahoma is still kind of the betting favorite to win the Big 12 title at this point, and they're, they're definitely set up in a good position. Um, if you were to be worried about Oklahoma dropping another game, um, I mean, I think Bedlam would probably be the most likely, but given Mike Gundy's record in Bedlam, that may not be the one that's actually the most likely for them to, <laughs> to lose. Um, are, is there any other games on this schedule that you're potentially worried about for the rest of the year? Well, you know, you mentioned Bedlam, of course, and that's one that uh, is, you know, big one. Um, but, you know, in terms of the other ones, um, from what I've seen out of Baylor, that's a little bit of a, uh, a rebuild job there for Dave Aranda. Um, so, you know, I'm bit. not as concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not as concerned there. Um, I think, you know, West Virginia can be a very difficult place to play. Um and uh, I, I honestly think that they have a really good coach uh, in Neil Brown. I think, though, and, and they've got, you know, two really disruptive guys there on the defensive line with the Stills brothers. So, you know, I mean, could they – they could certainly give OU some problems. I think, though, that roster-wise, just top to bottom, it's going to be a hard that's, – that's, it's going to be hard for uh, West Virginia to pull off a win there. But I guess, you know, if we're not talking Bedlam, that's the one that I would, I would probably circle is that trip to West Virginia. Yeah, and so that actually kind of leads me into my next question. But before I get there, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. And we're back. All right, so we had talked just before the break about um, West Virginia, you know, being the, the most difficult other than Bedlam, uh, which, I, which I think obviously is fair given the fact that, you know, Kansas and Baylor are the other two teams on the schedule. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma wins both of those games by 40 points or more. So, <laughs> um, but – you know, it makes me wonder, though, about what, what Oklahoma fans think about Spencer Rattler as the quarterback for the students because they're used to transfer quarterbacks who have been playing really well at other locations, looking for or not having that opportunity but coming in and kind of lighting stuff up pretty quickly here. Um, you know, how big of an adjustment has it been for Oklahoma fans, you know, with what Spencer Rattler can do um, and kind of going through some of the growing pains that he's had as, as freshman quarterback in the Big 12? Yeah, you know, that's a really great uh, kind of point there because, you know, Oklahoma, you know, there was kind of this funny, funny thing about, you know, oh, well, Lincoln Riley can't develop his own quarterbacks, which was, I mean, hysterical to me because he coached, you know, Baker Mayfield for three years. He really coached Kyler Murray for three years. I mean, you know, I think that Jalen Hurts' game clearly took a step forward when he came over. But, you know, OU hadn't had to watch and kind of grow, you know, with a young quarterback like Rattler. And uh, he made a lot of high schoolish type plays, you know, that uh, that put OU in some bad spots, uh, uh, you know, early on the season. He was a lot of times kind of holding on to the ball too long, trying to make stuff happen. Um, you know, he actually got benched in the first half of the uh, Red River Showdown with Texas, if you were, if you were watching. Um, right. came back in the second half and really settled down. I think that's kind of been a, a, a turning point for him in this season. 
Um, so, you know, but, you know, when I was talking earlier about people being worried about the sky falling after those first two losses, I mean, part of the reason why I was less concerned was that uh, Rattler is, I mean, an ultra, ultra talented thrower. I I, uh, I am so impressed with him just in terms of, uh, you know, the spots he hits, the touch he throws, uh, he throws with, I mean. I would say that aside from Trevor Lawrence, there's nobody out there, in my opinion, who spins it better than Rattler in, in college football. And I realize that's saying a lot, and there are guys like Justin Fields out there or Mac Jones. But, I, I mean, just in terms of a pure thrower, uh, Rattler is uh, has been everything. I think he's lived up to billing 100% so far. Yeah, it's really going to be interesting to see how he develops. Um, you know, and, and the Big 12 has quite a few freshman quarterbacks um, that are developing right now in the Big 12. So it, it's kept the race interesting, I think, or even not mm-hmm. necessarily freshmen, but either one first or second year starters um, as well. You think kind of development there. But I do want to go ahead and turn to the actual Kansas game now at this point. Um, I think, you know, I think we, we can both agree that this game is probably not going to be competitive, especially in the second half. Um, so rather than talk too much about what it is they can do, well, I, I want to ask one specific question about the quote-unquote competitive portion of the game. Is there any part of either this – well, of this Kansas defense that has you even a little bit concerned? Because they've forced a lot of teams they played recently to start off really, really slow and give themselves an opportunity, um, you know, but the Kansas offense hasn't really lived up to what they need to do in terms of that, you know, that part of the deal there. The offense is making some strides, though. So is there anything in this Kansas defense that concerns you that they'll allow Kansas to stay in the game late enough that it'll be a little bit uncomfortable at any point in the second half? Huh. Well, you know, I, I honestly haven't seen enough out of Kansas to make me think that there would be. Um, you know, I think that in a lot of ways it's just uh, Oklahoma's really kind of coming together. Uh, last week they played – uh, their best game of the year, uh, in my opinion, by far. Uh, you know, after uh, they went three and out early uh, in their on their first drive, but after that, I mean, it was uh, you know they pretty much did whatever they wanted with te- the Texas Tech defense. Um, you know, I guess that one thing to watch for is that I mean, OU's still been pretty sloppy and has you know made some uh, just you know just. <sighs> the kind of mistakes that, that can, you know, kind of stall drives with penalties. Um, if they get out of the gate slow, I think that, uh, you know, putting themselves behind the chains early, that could cause some problems and maybe, uh, you know, kind of keep, keep the game more competitive, uh, than, than you'd expect. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they're, they're playing awfully well right now. And uh, especially, you know, getting Ramondre Stevenson also back uh, in the lineup last week has really helped their running game. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if OU is going, I mean, I think the spread is about 38 points. I, I would not bet that OU covers that, but I don't see this being competitive in the second half. Yeah. I don't think Kansas has covered the spread the entire year, usually because <laughs> of backdoor or, I should say, depending on which book you're looking at, because there was yeah. one, um, it was in the, uh, I think it was the West Virginia game where Kansas got a backdoor they, cover. Yeah, they, yeah, they a, did. Yeah. So, I mean, some books say that they didn't cover that game because the spread was a little bit higher. Other ones say that they barely covered it at the very end because of that kickoff return um, or, or the punt return. I don't remember which one it was. but um, So, I, I guess 
I guess uh, if this Kansas offense is going to have any kind of success at all against Oklahoma, um, where where are the weak points of this Oklahoma defense? Where can Kansas try to attack and try to get the ball moving somewhat? Yeah, you know, uh, OU's been really strong against the run, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't look there. Um, you know, they've got uh, some weaknesses at cornerback. I mean, Trey Brown is a very kind of. Uh, He's very grabby, you know. He he's good. He he has, he kind of is a rep, I think, at this point with the Big Twelve officials. Uh, you know, he's been getting a lot of uh, you know defensive holding or pass interference calls against him. Teams have been challenging him, you know, if they've got uh, receivers who are a little bit on the bigger side because he's a he's a short guy. Um, so that's one position to look at, you know, maybe trying to get him one-on-one with, uh, you know, a receiver at parchment, for example, and, uh, see what, see what they can do, maybe gain down the field, uh, on Brown. You could definitely do some damage there. You know, uh, one guy who, uh, fans have, uh, you know, kind of have a, uh, a love-hate relationship with is, oh, he's Nickelback, Brendan Radley-Hiles. He's another guy. He's kind of smallish. And, uh, you know, if you've got any, any bigger guys who you can get matched one up one-on-one with him, you have a chance to do some damage there too. What, what about this defensive line? Are, are they able to consistently get pressure without bringing any extra guys from the linebacking core? Because where Kansas has been most successful has been where they've, you know, been able or forced opponents, say, Kansas State, to bring pressure by, you know, or to, to get pressure by bringing extra linebackers which opens up holes in the middle, kind of opens up the offense a little bit. I, I'm not, you know, I, I, to be honest, most Oklahoma games haven't been competitive enough for me to get a really good sense of what's going on there. But how, how good is this defensive line of getting pressure without having to get help from elsewhere on the field to blitz? Yeah, I mean, th- that's been one of the things that they've done really well. But, you know, I mean, Alex Grinch is uh, very, uh, I mean, blitzing is just kind of in his nature also. You know, I, I so it's not always a matter of dialing up pressure just, uh, you know, because they're not able to get home with the front four. That being said, I mean, it's a it's a pretty good unit when it comes to rushing the passer. You've got uh, guys like Nick Benito there on the edge who is, uh, you know, looking like one of the better pass rushers in the big 12 right now, uh, you know, with Ronnie Perkins back again, he's kind of a do everything type there on the, uh, on the edge. I mentioned Winfrey earlier. That's one guy who's coming on. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a good group. It really is. Uh, and you know, they, that's been, I, in all honesty, I would say that's been the most consistent part of the uh, entire team this year, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm concerned about. That seems to be where Kansas has the most problems because of their offense. That seems to be getting better. It's just taking a long time for it to develop with all the young guys that they have and obviously all the injuries that they're dealing with. So, All right, so I guess um, I'm just trying to think. Final final question that I have here for you. Um, you know, obviously we got to do some sort of prediction. Do you think that Kansas can, can cover the spread, and what do you think is going to be um, – Either well, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Instead of going there, because I, honestly, I don't know that too many Kansas fans really care about whether they cover the spread or not, because nobody's really betting on Kansas anyway. It's I think it's pretty clear that Oklahoma's going to be able to get the backups in pretty early in this game. So which which backup for Oklahoma are are fans either really excited to see and see what they could potentially do, or do you think that they're going to learn a lot about in this particular game that Kansas fans are going to be worrying about for for years to come as well? 
now that is a great question. Um, I think, you know, one thing to watch is that Oklahoma signed a uh, five-star receiver out of Georgia last year named Jaden Hazelwood, who uh, played a lot as a freshman. Uh, he he had a, he uh, sustained a knee injury earlier in the spring and uh, has been out. Now, there's been some talk that he might make his way back this week. Um, if he's back out on the field, that's definitely one to look for just to see what kind of chemistry he has with the – Spencer Rattler, because he's a really talented guy, a big kind of burly, lanky type. Um, so that's one to watch. You know, uh, people on on the defensive side of the ball, uh, one guy to watch would be a, a safety named Bryson Washington. He's a uh, he's a freshman. I believe he's out of Texas. Um, and, you know, that's one guy that I know OU fans have been kind of uh, waiting to see if he can uh, if he can make any noise and uh, push for more playing time there on the back end. So that would be another one I'm watching. Then, you know, the the quarterback position is another one. Uh, you know, OU's. I'm my guess is that OU will only get this year and next year with Spencer Rattler. So, you know, then they've got guys like Tanner Mordecai and uh, Chandler Morris behind him who you know, could be vying for a starting position later on. So if you get to see a change at quarterback in the second half, uh, you know, keep an eye on those two guys. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to do some sort of prediction here. So it can be real quick. Do you think that Oklahoma does cover the spread? And if not, what is, what is going to be the thing that keeps them from doing it? Oh, um, you know, I, I suspect not. Uh, just because Lincoln Riley has really been tapping the brakes um, lately in the second half of games, uh, this could be a, a situation where he's really just trying to get out of town, especially they've got a week off and then they've got the Bedlam game. So, I mean, he might, you know, kind of just want to make it to the break without any uh, any injuries or showing too much. So, you know, I think that, you know, I'd look for OU to pound the ball a lot in the second half and, uh, you know, I mean, try to try to get out, you know, probably with somewhere in the range of a 28 to 31.1. win. Yeah. I also think that Kansas doesn't really have the luxury of putting in any backups at the end of the game because they're, they're fairly thin. And most of the guys you would think would be backups are actually guys that are, you know, trying to get playing time now. So <laughs> right. I think when Oklahoma puts in their backups, it's still good. It'll be fairly competitive at that point. I think um, mm-hmm. even though the, you know, in terms of that point forward, even though the game will probably do well out of reach with a three or four touchdown lead at that point. So, all right. Well, um, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Where can the people find your work online? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Ben. Uh, yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at Blatant Homerism. Um, you know, I'm always around there. Uh, also, you know, like uh, you mentioned before, I write for uh, Crimson and Cream Machine, and I do some stuff occasionally for Athlon Sports, you know, mainly kind of game previews type type stuff there covering the Big 12. Uh, I also do a weekly radio show or podcast, I guess, pardon me, with uh, for Crimson and Cream Machine also uh, through the SB Nation Network podcast. So. Awesome. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks so much for joining me tonight, Alan. Listening, if you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts. It's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast. Just search for Rock Shop Podcast. Um, subscribe and we'll get you every episode as soon as it comes out. Um, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people who want to try to interview, anything like that, um, you know, you can you or you can contact me on Twitter. At Andy Mitch 12 right now, this is the best way to do that. Twitter is still fighting with my with my podcast account for whatever reason, but uh, 
But uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Alan, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Talk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.